Good evening. <clears throat> Have you ever waited to receive news with anticipation? Perhaps you had a job interview and you were waiting for that phone call. Or maybe you put an offer in on a house and uh, you couldn't wait to hear back from the realtor to see if your offer was accepted. Or maybe sometimes they're more serious news that we wait for. Uh, it's a, it's a, you're in the doctor's office and you're waiting for those test results to come back. And you're nervous, you're anxious to hear back from the other side. In 2011, the city of Los Angeles was overrun with a, a movement called Occupy LA. And uh, this movement was, uh, that w went across the country, but specifically in Los Angeles, the, the roots or the, 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 the ground zero of this, uh, this movement was in downtown LA. And I, during that time, was working a crime suppression unit, which meant I, we were at the beck and call of the command staff to do their bidding, which meant protecting all these businesses and buildings downtown. Well, it just so happens during that same time in 2011 that Tori was pregnant um, with Drake, and we were getting down to D-Day. Um, it was getting close. And it was one particular day where the crowds had swelled. A lot of news was out and, and the cameras were in the streets and social media was buzzing and so more and more people were piling in and we were assigned to a skirmish line and there was thousands of people in front of us. And that was just like any other day. Except my phone rang and Tori said, Drake's coming. I was stuck. There was nothing I could do. I was in the middle. I had just started my shift. Um, there was no getting out of it. I was, I, I didn't even have a car near me. Like there was literally no way. The streets were packed with people. Our cars were a few blocks away. And not to mention, there was a lot of work to do. And I hung onto my phone during that entire shift. I was so worried, I was so concerned. Um, I was, we were eagerly waiting for this day to come and of course it came on a day when I couldn't be at home and I was stuck. Well, the Lord worked it all out and my shift ended and I, as safely and quickly as I could, raced home and we got to the hospital and everything was okay. Um, but every text message that she sent me um, every time those little three little dots popped up onto my screen, it was, it was this concern that I had in my heart for my wife, for Drake, as he was on his way. This letter that we're going to look at this evening is a letter that was written by the apostle to a church as Paul waited to hear back from what was going on. Uh, as, as Mark and Justin did a great job establishing the context and laying down the history of what took place, Paul had planted a church. Paul and his team had planted a church in Thessalonica, and he was quickly rushed out of town, and he was waiting eagerly to hear back 
from what took place or what was happening in that town. He was concerned. He was burdened. He was waiting to hear back from his servant or from his coworker, Timothy, who had gone there to, um, to bring back word. If you can, turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. It's been a, a few weeks since we've been in this book, and uh, I, I would encourage all of you, if you haven't heard it, I know some of us are, are tasked with uh, teaching Sunday school, and so we're not able to hear all the messages, and I think Mark did a real good job giving us the history and the background of this book. Um, it's, it's very clear and concise in the, in the book of the Acts as to what was taking place beforehand. And a lot of these letters, we don't really have that. But here in this, in this letter, we know exactly what was taking place um, beforehand. And I'm just going to read. We're actually going to start just for the sake of context back in chapter 2 in verse 17. And then we'll read through the chapter and then we'll make some, uh, just some brief background notes or, or some statements. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. But we, brethren having been taken away from you for a short time in present, presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you the, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this, for in fact, we told you before, when we were with you, that we, had, we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we are comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God, night and day, praying exceedingly, that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish you, your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Let's just open in prayer one more time. Heavenly Father, as we come uh, and as we open your word this evening, uh, we ask, Lord, that we would hear directly from you. Um, 
Father, no words from men, uh, no words of the flesh, uh, but only those that are directed by your Spirit. And may your Son be glorified this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so as, as we've, uh, going back to Mark, we took a little bit of time off, so we'll just paint this backdrop to what's taking place, because Paul is talking a little bit about traveling and, and what was taking place beforehand. Um, you'll, you'll remember when Paul was in Antioch, he received a Macedonian call. He received a vision. Um, it said that he was hindered by God from going into Asia. He wanted to go to Asia to preach the gospel, but he was hindered. And then he had a vision from a, a man from Macedonia, and he, and he was sent. And he goes to um, first to Philippi. And this, is all, this all takes place in Acts chapter 16. Um, and in Acts chapter 16, he establishes a church, him and Silas, in Philippi. And we'll remember there's, there's several highlights in that, in that church in Philippi. Um, we have uh, Lydia, and we have the Philippian jailer coming to know Christ. Um, and then we see that the, the gospel work is affected um, after a, a girl is healed, and Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. And again, this is where the Philippian jailer um, trusts Christ. And they're beaten. Um, unlawfully. They weren't supposed to be beaten. And um, they are released from prison, and they leave town, and they head um, now to Macedonia, to the, throughout the Macedonia. And it's at this point that they, they walk into uh, Thessalonica, and they walk into a synagogue. And this was Paul's practice. Um, it, it's a good place to preach the gospel. Everybody's gathering there. Um, they, they have um, religious thoughts on their mind, and Paul, as he walks into this gospel, into the synagogue, he begins to preach Christ. It says in Acts chapter 16, and he has a three. It says for three Sabbaths, so he has a three-week gospel gospel meetings in the synagogue in Thessalonica, and it says that the Greeks received it gladly. Um, they they received the gospel. They trusted Christ, and and there was a there was a, a church established here in Thessalonica within just three weeks. Now, uh, Mark is, is correct that there's um, some debate as to how long Paul was in Thessalonica. We know it is at least three weeks, and it could have been up to at least six months. Um, but from anywhere from three weeks to six months, Paul and Silas and Timothy are laboring in Thessalonica, establishing the church. And then the Jews, out of um, frustration, out of um, just anger, um, drive Paul and, and his team out of town. Uh, they hire uh, the local market, uh, people from the local market to, to get Paul and Timothy and, and the rest of the guys out of town. And um, this is all in Acts chapter 17. And so Paul and his team go to Berea. And, and, we'll know, and we, know that, um, we know the story about the Bereans. Um, they, were, um, they were very wise. Um, they, they, they reasoned with Paul. They checked the scriptures to make sure Paul was um, what he was saying was correct, and there was a work established in Berea. Well, the Jews in Thessalonica were so upset that Paul had left and was establishing other works in other cities that they chased him over to Berea and, um, again, started to, to, to um, just arouse the, the, the neighborhood and, and the crowd, and Paul and, and, and all the brethren in Berea agreed that Paul and his team should leave. Paul then heads to Athens. At this point, Paul sends Timothy and Silas, because 
Um, it, it, Paul is, is, is the focus. They're, they're really after him. So he takes out, he, he, he heads out of town. But Timothy and Silas stay in Berea. And, and Paul heads off to Athens alone. But it's from Athens that Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica. Now, all this took some time. Paul would have been there for about anywhere from three weeks to maybe six months. That's not a lot of time to, to establish a church, to disciple um, a group of, of believers from ground zero. I mean, these guys are coming from, these are Gentiles. It says, we read in, in Mark, uh, we went through it in chapter one, that, that they rejected the idols that they had gone to and now had trusted Christ. Um, but these are baby Christians. These are infants. And Paul is forced to leave um, after just a short period of time. So he sends Timothy. He sends Timothy because he's concerned. And, and we're going to see that this evening. He's, he, he sends Timothy because he's concerned about how are they doing. And he's, he's, he's waiting in anticipation to hear back. Um, like, like I was sitting at work waiting for those text messages to come through, uh, making sure Tori was okay, the baby was okay, everything was okay. Paul is sitting, he's in Athens, and he's waiting, he's desiring to hear back from what's going on in, in Thessalonica. Um, this, this trip took place right around 80, um, 49 to 50. Um, so this is arguably one of Paul's earliest, or maybe even not his, uh, his first letter uh, that was written um, that we have recorded. Um, it is a Gentile church, and it's a young church. Um, but after three to four weeks, it was a functioning church. It had leadership. Um, that, that there was a work established there. And as we'll see tonight, um, they were busy. They were working. They were laboring. Um, this, this church, as we see in, in chapter 1 um, and, and verse 7, uh, was an example to all the other churches in Macedonia. All, an example to all the other churches in Macedonia. And, and this letter probably was written by Paul after he's in Athens. He sends Timothy over there. Then he's, he's, he's driven to Corinth. And uh, most scholars believe that he penned this letter in Corinth. So it's probably about one to two years, maybe if not three years after he's left. Um, that's a long time. That's a long time to wait to hear. I mean, I, today, in, in today's day and age, I mean, we can't wait seconds to get the text message back. I mean, if we don't see the three dots, like, we see that they read it, but there's no dots after the read, and then it's like, what's going on? Um, Paul, waited, Paul waited three years to hear back from what was going on in this work. And so um, we read into chapter 2 just for the sake of context, and Justin finished this off a couple weeks ago, um, but we see that in, in verse... In verse 17, that he, he endeavored more eagerly to see their face with great desire. One of the things we're going to look at this evening is Paul's love for people. Paul had a great love for people. Paul had a great love for this church here in Thessalonica, and he desired to see them. That was his heart. He, just, he wanted so badly to go back and to, 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 to give them a hug, to, to tell them everything's okay, um, we're going to see that there was a concern on their heart for Paul, and he just wanted to clear the air and say, no, everything's okay. And he wanted to establish them and build them up and encourage them and disciple them. Um, he loved these people. <clears throat> 
we'll, we'll break into verse 1. It says, therefore, when, they, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. Um, there's, there's many uh, purpose, or there's, there's uh, several reasons why Paul wrote this letter. Um, one was to commend them for their faith, to, to, to just say, you guys are doing a good job, to encourage them in that. Um, another one was to, to clear up some rumors that had been spread about Paul. Um, this was in chapter 2, and Justin covered this, but you, you can imagine what they were been thinking. Um, here, I show up to synagogue on a Saturday, and this guy and his friends come through the door, and they start preaching this, this man named Christ. And it's a great message, and, and I receive it gladly, but then all of a sudden, he skips town. And the Jews that were still there are there, the ones that had driven him out of town, are there to talk trash, for lack of a better term, about Paul. To say, look at this guy, he left you alone, abandoned you, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, and Paul said, and, 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 they would, and they gave several other things, you know, oh, he's t he took advantage of you guys, he did all these things. And Paul had to, in chapter two, had to clear the air with that and to show them that, no, that my heart is for you and, and, and this is all a lie. Um, he encouraged them in the light of the persecution that he was experiencing and that they were experiencing. Um, again, these little infant Christians left in this, in this town um, with these ravenous, as we heard this morning, these ravenous Jews that were, just wanted to, to put a, a, a water on this fire that had started. And he also wanted to encourage them, as we're going to look tonight, to, to live holy lives. Um, Josh is going to get into this in, in chapter 4, but he said, we're not done yet. You've been saved. You're doing well, but there's a long way to go. And we need to live holy, pure lives before God. And the second thing, and, and this is, I'm so glad that Sam's going to clear this up for us, but uh, the second coming. Um, and he's going to talk about all your eschatological, if that's a word, questions. Um, he's going to just really uh, bring it home uh, in chapter 5. But he, he wants to clear up any teaching about the second coming. Um, what, what's, what's, what, what to expect? What, what are you looking for? What are the signs that you're looking for? Um, and to also live in light of that, to live in light of the second coming. And the last chapter, at, at the very end, he finishes with some tremendous application that we've all grown up memorizing, um, to protect against disunity, to exercise our spiritual gifts, and to, to respect not only the leadership in the assembly, but to respect each other, uh, to build each other up. Um, so tonight, um, this chapter is broken up pretty, pretty distinctly um, into three sections, um, and I try to make this as easy to remember as possible. But um, in, in the first section, we have Paul's eagerness um, to hear back from Timothy about the saints, um, and that's verses uh, 1 through 5. In verses 6 through 10, we have Paul's uh, encouragement about good, the good news that he's heard. And finally, in uh, verses 11 through 13, we have Paul's entreaty, or his prayer, for the, the, the saints there in, in Thessalonica. So in verse 1, we have this idea, uh, he could no longer endure it. Breaking up a team is hard to do. Uh, Timothy was Paul's right-hand man. Um, in, in, in other portions, he says, I have no one else that's like-minded. And yet, he would send him to go back to Thessalonica, knowing 
what was going on down there, knowing that the Jews had just driven them out. Um, you'll remember back, in, and, and, and Mark looked at this, uh, when they're in Thessalonica, they're preaching the gospel, the Jews had, had caused a, 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 a stir, and they go and attack Jason's house, and they serve a search warrant on Jason house, Jason's house, trying to look for Paul, and, and Paul is gone, he's not there. Um, and then he, they force Jason saying, don't let, make sure Paul doesn't come back. Um, it's dangerous. It's, it's, not a, it's not a safe mission that Paul sends him. But Paul is in such, uh, he has such a burden for the saints there that he's willing to send his son in the faith, Timothy, to go back and to hear, and to, to it says here in verse 2, um, uh, he sent Timothy, our brother and minister and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish and encourage you in the faith. Uh, Timothy, uh, again, a very reputable young man, um, a, a, a disciple of Paul, but one that Paul would point to Christ. Um, it says that he was, he was uh, he's our brother. Like, this is my brother that I'm sending to you. He's, he's a, a, a minister of God. He's a co-laborer with God. And he's, um, and he's not only a co-laborer with God, but he's our, our fellow laborer. This is a huge loss. Sometimes we, under, we, don't, we don't quite understand why God moves certain people out of certain things. You know, you, you think of, of um, uh, trades on a basketball team or trades on a football team, and, and you think, why would they trade that? That was such a good player. Why would you, why would you get rid of that guy? Um, but here we see God is in control, um, and, and, it's, and it's God who sends Timothy back to not only just to send a report card, on how Thessal Thess the, the Thessalonians are doing. Um, he's not just checking in on them. What is he doing there? It says that he's establishing, it, that, that word is to strengthen, um, to, to, to fortify, establish you and to encourage you concerning your faith. Well, why is that? Because they're baby Christians, because they needed this, and because there was persecution. And it says that in verse three, here's the, here's the reason, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we were appointed to you, uh, appointed uh, to this. It would have been earth-shattering to to for the, this early church to watch Jason's house stormed by the Jews to chase down Paul. Um, it, it would have it would have discouraged them to hear that these same Jews chased him all the way out to Berea. To, to drag him back or to, to get rid of the work. And it would have discouraged them to hear that not only was he chased out of Berea, but then he's at Athens. And all these things, that, that all these things that were happening to Paul would have been like shaking. Uh, it, it, would have, it would have scared them. Um, so Paul sends Timothy. He sends Timothy to comfort them and saying, no, that, like we told you this was gonna happen. We told you that you were gonna suffer for God. And we told you that we were going to suffer for God. And that helped strengthen this assembly. Verse 4, it says, For in fact we told you before that we were with you, uh, that we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. They're scared, they're worried, they're concerned, and so Timothy is sent to, to comfort them. 
And Paul's biggest concern is that the tempter would tempt them. Now, who is this tempter? Um, we see that the tempter um, comes onto the scene in, in the New Testament uh, in the wilderness when he, when he approaches Christ and he tempts him for 40 days, um, hurling accusations, tempting him to sin, tempting him to do these things. And this was Paul's concern for these, again, baby Christians, this baby church that he had just left in this town back home in Thessalonica. And he's worried that the tempter was going to tempt them. And so what is Satan's goal for the believer? Um, we see that he really only has two tactics. He only has two tactics. Um, the first is to persecute the church from the outside um, by doing any mean, in, in any means possible. Um, we see this happening across the world. We have Christians that are being dragged into prison. We have Christians on, in some countries that are being beheaded. Um, we have uh, the, the church under attack here in North America on, on what we preach and how we preach. And so Satan, um, again, will attack from the outside. But another way that he will attack, and this is the second way, is from the inside, by causing division, by causing splits, by sowing seeds of doubt. Remember what he said to Eve? Did God really say? And then God just doesn't want you to be like him. All he's doing is sowing seeds of doubt. He's getting in. And, and so we have this attack from the outside, which we see here, but we also have this attack from the inside. And Satan, and, and, and this is something that uh, was brought to just my mind a few years ago, that he really has, uh, he has several things that he does to the believer, but he likes to discourage the believer. He likes to dissuade the believer, and he likes to distract the believer. He likes to discourage the believer by, by persecuting him or by um, bringing him down, tapping them on the shoulder and saying, do you remember that sin? Do you remember that? How dare you pray to God? He also likes to dissuade the believer, leading him down a, a path, a trail, a goat path from the gospel, from the, from the doctrine. Um, and he also likes to distract the believer. And I think this is one of the biggest ones that we've, we suffer here in America, and is just distraction. We're so distracted by the things of this world. We're so distracted by everything, um, politics, um, uh, wars, uh, stuff, shiny objects. We're, we're a very distracted people. Paul would write to the Corinthians in, 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 in chapter 11, he said that, uh, of 2 Corinthians, but I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ, taking the believer's eyes off of Christ. That's all he wants to do, just take your eyes off of Christ. So Paul here is, 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 is burdened. He's scared, not scared, but he's, he's concerned um, for the, the, the Christians here in Thessalonica. And so he sends Timothy to go to strengthen them to encourage them. And, and just as a, a, a point of application, as I was reading this, you just can't help but see Paul's concern for this group. Paul loved these people. Paul loved them so much that he was willing to divide his team, to, to send his, 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 I don't want to say favorite, but his, 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 his son in the faith back home to, to the wolves. Um, And the question that came to mind as I was reading this is, do I love the Lord's people like Paul? Do I have the same concern? 
And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about all the, the, the terms of endearment that Paul uses um, throughout his letters. Um, Paul, uh, Paul would say to, uh, uh, to the church here in, um, I'm going to lose it now. Uh, he says it in, in Philippians 1. Philippians chapter 1. Uh, in verse 7, it says, just as it, right, is it, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch both in my chains and in defense and the confirmation uh, of the gospel, for you are all partakers with me of the grace. Verse 8, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. I love you. I love you in Christ. Um, Paul loved the church here in Thessalonica, and his love went uh, beyond the church. Paul loved people. Paul's desire was to see that people become, get saved. Paul had a burden for his own people. Um, it says uh, in, in Romans that in Romans 9 that, that I would go to hell for you. How could Paul have a love like that? How could, how, how could anybody have a love like that? We're going to answer that question at the end. Um, as we go on in verse 6, it says that, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Um, Paul is so encouraged by Timothy's report. He is so built up and strengthened personally by what Timothy has brought back. Um, there is something to, 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 that, that, that is just, um, it's not pride, but it's, it's a joy that is, is unexplainable when you see one of your children come to know the Lord. Um, when you see one of your kids um, get saved, and, and to know that you will spend all of eternity with them, um, it's a joy that's unex uh, inexpressible. And to see that same child go on for the Lord, what greater joy could there be? Um, John says the same thing in, 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 in his third epistle, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Um, Paul is so encouraged that the church is doing okay that they are strengthened, that they were established, and that they are, um, they are growing in faith and in love, and that they remembered him, that there wasn't this negative thought of, of Paul and his, and his team, but that they desired to see Paul just as much as he desired to see them. There was that bond, that brotherhood that they shared. Um, and in verse 7, it says, Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we are, were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Paul is, is going through the ringer. Every town he comes to, he's being chased out. He's being beaten. He's being shipwrecked. He's being, and, and, and as we go on later on in his life, he's being stoned. He's being... Um, eventually uh, killed. Um, 
Paul lived a very, very, very rough missionary life. But the things that strengthened him personally was that other Christians were doing okay. Are we encouraged as a people when we see the work of the Lord going on in other places? Um, I just spent the last week in, in, uh, at the week of prayer back east, and um, it was people from all over, not only just North America, because there's men and women from Canada and, and all over the states, but there was people from Ireland um, and, and just everywhere. And while we were praying, people were um, Skyping in or, or following from everywhere, like Europe and all these places. And it was just, it was just good to see. But, and, and the times in prayer were, were just great. Um, you, you would be looking at a scripture, and then a brother would get up, and he would pray, and he would be praying the scripture that you're looking at. But the times during, in between the prayer times, when we would just sit around with a cup of coffee and talk about what the Lord's doing in British Columbia, or what the Lord's doing in Vancouver, or what, all these things, it was so encouraging. It was so encouraging to hear that the gospel is going out across the country and across the world. And are we encouraged by other Christians that are doing well? Um, again, Satan's goal is to divide the church. How many denominations are there in Christendom? Hundreds. And oftentimes we can puff our chests out and with the badge of honor, carry around the brethren name and, and look down on the, the work of the gospel that's going on in these other groups. Um, we need to be encouraged by what the Lord's doing in other people. We need to be praying for them. We need to be praying that the Lord would, would guide all of us in, in truth and bring us all to the, to the center of, of what the truth of the Bible says but we need to be encouraged by what others are doing. Paul here says that for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. As I'm chained, this is in a prison epistle, but as he's chained later on uh, down the line, um, we can only imagine what the, the, the conditions he's in, the experiences that he goes through, and yet hearing these good reports of what the church is doing, what the Lord is doing, back home in these home assemblies. Um, this is what gives life. This is what breathes life into Paul, and he's encouraged to go on because of this. Um, as we go forward in verse 9, it says, For what thanks can we render to God for you all, um, for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in you. Paul still has a great desire to go back home and be with these saints. Um, he still has a great desire. And, and in fact, and we've read this throughout several of his letters, that he prays day and night for them, as often as I think of you. Um, he is laboring in prayer for the church. He's laboring in prayer for the work of the gospel. Prayer changes things. Um, and he's praying for these people. It says day and night, around the clock, as often as he can, he's praying for these people. And, I mean, it's a whole nother message, but um, if the Lord was to, and we, we, we see this, that um, 
that the Lord writes uh, letters to the churches in Revelation. And, and some of them, I think only one of them is, is fairly positive. Most of them are indictments on the church. Um, and this is a question I think we should all ask. If the Lord was to write a letter to us here in Claremont, what would it say? We are a very, um, this, is a, this is a great assembly. Um, I, love, I love all of you. And it's encouraging to come here. And it's encouraging to be part of this family. Um, there's other churches that aren't doing very well. They, they come to church discouraged every Sunday. Um, um, we work hard here. The gospel goes out here. Um, people are are um, are loved on here. Um, but I think the one thing that uh, that would stand out that would be missing is is we need to pray. We need to pray. Um, are we a church that prays? That prays for one another. That prays for other assemblies. That prays for the work. We have to be men and women of prayer. We have to be an assembly that is characterized by prayer. Paul here labors in prayer for the church. And, and his desire is to see them. Um, and why, why does he want to see them so bad? Just to catch up? Just to say, hey, how was work You know, this last week? Um, let's go bowling Friday night at 10 o'clock. Um, go, let's go to a, a Quakes game. You know, wh why does he want to be there? All these things are great. Why does he want to be there? He wants to be there to perfect what is lacking in your faith. That word perfect means to mend, and it's the idea of like mending a net. Um, so fishermen would go out to sea, and they, they had these big nets, and there'd be, there'd be holes as they tear. You'd have to mend the nets so that the fish don't slip out as you drag them across the, the sea. And Paul's desire was that he could be there to, to perfect or to correct what was lacking. Again, this is a young church that needs to be built up, iron that needs to be sharpened. And he wanted to go there and to perfect what was lacking. <clears throat> the last point or the last section here we have in, in verse 11, it says, Now uh, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do. Um, here, Paul, he can't express enough how much he loves these people. Um, his prayer is that he would see them. His prayer is that the Lord would direct his path to see him. And as we think of this idea of prayer, and as we pray, we need to pray not that God's will would align with our will, but that our will would align with God's will. And, and, and Paul here is praying, Lord, direct my path. Show me how to get back there to, to, to these people. I want to encourage them. I want to mend their nets. I want to build them up. And I want to love on them. And he says, 
not only to direct, their path, to direct his path to them, but in verse 12 he says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all. They were doing a really good job. Their, their, their testimony to all the other churches in the area was that this is a church that, that is growing in grace, that, they, that their faith is, in, is growing, that they love each other. But Paul says that is not the end. There's more. You got to keep going. You got to strive. You, you, there, there is no finish line. Our finish line is what we're going to see in, two, in, in, in the next verse. Our finish line is when either we breathe our last breath or the Lord comes back to take us home. That's the finish line. But until then, when you get saved, that's the starting line. That's when the race begins. And Paul says, don't stop. Abound. This church loves each other. We do. Now, just like anything else, it's a family, and uh, there's friction, and um, you know, there's, there's bumps along the way. But we love each other. Um, I, how many times is, is, do we get, get the news that somebody's having a hard time and uh, they need a meal train, and then all of a sudden, within minutes, the meal train's filled up, just filled up. Um, somebody needs to be picked up from the airport. There's three or four people that volunteer to do it. This church loves each other, but we need to abound in love. We need to grow in love. We need to love each other more. We need to love each other like Christ loves us. That's the benchmark. That's the goal, to love each other like Christ loves us. He says that uh, to, to abound in love, to love one another, and to love all. To love all. Um, that's, the, that's the preparatory work of the gospel. The preparatory work of the gospel is the fact that people know that you love them that you care about them, that you're concerned about them, that you're not just a, a person that, that is on the street and I'm doing this because I'm, I'm supposed to do this, but, but, but love for the church and love for everyone. Um, that's how the gospel is spread. They will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. We need to love everyone um, the way that Christ does. And this is the closing thought. It says in verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holiness. Uh, the, the, the theme of the, the week of prayer was this idea of sanctification. Uh, that's a huge topic. Um, it, it's something that it, I, I encourage you all to go back, watch some of the videos, dig in on your own. Um, but sanctification has this idea of being set apart, something that's holy. Um, but this word in particular um, is a different type of holiness, and it's only used three times throughout Scripture, in Romans, in Corinthians, and here. And this holiness means dedication. Dedication. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in dedication before our God that he may establish you blameless. 
How do we live blameless and holy lives? Um, we're sinners. We fall daily. How do you live a holy life? God says, be holy, for I am holy. Are we talking about sinless perfection? Absolutely not. We sin daily. But God still says, be holy, for I am holy. So what does he mean by that? Um, there was a couple thoughts, that, points that were brought up during this last week of prayer that I thought just made this crystal clear for me. And one was a quote by Jabe Nicholson, and it says that holiness is a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Holiness is a love relationship with Jesus Christ. If I love him, I will be obedient to him. Scott followed up by saying, holiness is relational before it's moral. It's relational before it's moral. Um, separation, holiness, produces intimacy with God. And, and Spurgeon finally ends with saying, holiness is not the way to Christ, but Christ is the way to holiness. How do we live holy lives? By loving Christ. By loving Christ. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we are to do this and live these lives in the light of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul emphasizes this to the church at Thessalonica. Again, going back, this is a three to four week old baby church that he's left. And he's writing this letter two years later. But in those three to four weeks, he had already established the idea of the second coming in the minds of these Christians. He had already told them that Christ is coming back to take you home, and you need to watch and pray every day. I could think about, I, I was thinking about this today, what, what, what have been, would have been going through the minds of the apostles, the disciples, the early church, as they wake up each morning, and they would meet each other at the, at the, the well to, to get a drink of water, and they would say, it could be today. He could come back today. And they were encouraged to live in the light of the second coming. There's nothing else that needs to happen for the Lord to come back. He could come back today. Are you ready? Are you living a holy life? Do you love God's people? Do you love the lost the way you ought? Um, we have to live in light of his, of his second coming. We have to live holy and pure lives blameless before our God at his coming. Um, Josh is going to take us into um, how and, and, and into detail on how to live a pure life. What it, what it, what it looks like. For the Christian, I, I would ask as we close, are you ready for the Lord to come back tonight? Um, and for those that have not put their trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible is very clear that if you die in your sin, that you will be separated for all eternity from Christ. But as we, we've talked about the gospel this evening and, and what Paul would have shared with this church of, 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 of Thessalonians, of the Thessalonians, he would have told them that you're a sinner and that you need a savior that if you do die in your sin, you will be separated from God for all eternity. But Jesus Christ came as a man. He died in your place. 
He hung on a cross and he paid for all of your sin. And just like that call, just like that statement that was uh, made to the Philippian jailer on the other side of town, that you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you can be saved. This is what um, changed the life of this church in Thessalonians. This can change your life. Are you ready for the Lord's return? Are we living in the light of his second coming? And do we love each other the way we ought? I pray that we do. I pray that we abound in love for one another. And that we live holy lives because we love the Lord and we want to serve him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, you are such an awesome God to allow us um, specks of dust on a, on a tiny planet in the back corner of the universe that you would love us enough to, to send your son to come to die in our place so that we could have a restored relationship with you so that we could call you father so that we can come into your presence Father, we thank you for this, this letter to the Church of Thessalonians, Father, for the work that was done there. Father, I think of just the fact that we are going to see the brothers and sisters in Christ that were, this letter was written to in glory. We're going to see Paul. But most importantly, Father, we're going to see your son, that altogether lovely one. Father, as we've been reminded this evening, of our love for him. Father, help us to live holy lives, but not, not out of our own flesh, not because we tried hard, but Father, help us to live lives, holy lives, because we love the Lord Jesus. Show us what that looks like, Lord. Help us to grow and abound in our love for him, and in return, our love for each other and for all would abound. Lord, we just pray as we um, go next door and, and, and fellowship. Lord, we just thank you for the food. We thank you for the, the loving hands that prepared it. Um, Lord, we pray that you would bless it to our bodies, bless our time together. And Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for just this assembly. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.